This is SR1. Hey everyone, you're listening to Talkative. This is Emily. And I'm Anna. So excited to have you once again with us on SR1 Sundays here on News Talk STL. It's a good week to be with us because it is finally, well, technically, a change in seasons. We have finally exited the bane of my existence, which is winter. I hate winter. And technically we're in spring. March 21st, the first day of spring. Spring, of course. Huh? You know, spring, rejuvenation, rebirth, everything's blooming, all that crap. <laughs> it's not blooming just yet, but we're working no. on it. We had the rain. We've had a lot of rain. I guess technically it's been a little warmer, but mostly it's just, frankly, the rain doesn't really solve that much for me either. It it's, was like, it's dreary. It's, it's dreary, it's gray, and, you know, it's, it's light later in the evening, but... When it's cloudy all day, it doesn't really feel like it. So, eh. Fair. I don't know. All right. Before we get into anything, I have a question. I'm okay. curious. <laughs> so, um, something came up the other night and it got me wondering, Anna, how would you feel if someone said to you that Schmidt from New Girl, if you guys don't know New Girl, you have to watch it. It's on Netflix. It's one of my favorite shows. It's a fantastic show. What if someone said to you, Schmidt is my spirit animal? Um, well, first off, I'm assuming this is, it's a leading question about like maybe a date, like a blind date. I don't know. But if this were the case, I would say, um, I'm not attracted to Schmidt. So like maybe red flag there, but also, uh, he clearly likes new girl. So that's a win. Mm -hmm. And, and also like, I'd be intrigued like how, how, how yeah, what, like what does that mean? What, yeah, is what does it mean to be you? like Schmidt? To you. I would definitely be curious and by I would I am. I am because <laughs> this is a real situation in my okay. life. All right, okay. Um and you're exactly right. It's a romantic prospect who has said this to me that Schmidt is their spirit animal. I was first thinking like awesome green flag, we both connect on New Girl. Right. That was that was how the conversation started. And then I thought, Oh, huh. Hmm. You mean the character that described their apartment as beigey and sun-soaked? Yes. Yeah. Mm. So it sounds a little femme <laughs> to me, but <laughs> but I mean Schmidt ends up being, you know, stable, married with a kid. So who knows? It, who this knows? is true. Well, this is true. So I I'm I'm curious ish to see what that means. But on the other hand, it's. Not the most um, attractive <laughs> statement. So um, just curious hmm. what your thoughts were and yeah. how you would Please take that. Please keep me updated on what <laughs> happens if you find out how this person is like Schmidt. I'd love to know. Yes, I will. I will. Uh, beyond that, Anna, what is in this week's issue? Well, guys, we're going to start with our headline highlights. It's this week's top entertainment stories, according to yours truly. And then in Who's Saying It Better... Some songs have all the covers. I feel like this is a clue. I'm interested. Mm -hmm. All right. In Let's Get Serious, Child Stars or Childhood Scars? We're going to get into all the nitty gritty details. I'm excited for that. That's never not interesting. I know. And then we'll end the show, as always, with our weekly rec. So stay tuned to the end. Okay. So jumping into our highlight reel, um, I saw this really cute clip. Well... 
I guess here's the, you know, is it cute? Is it not? Hugh Grant's been in kind of hot water lately. because what? Well, so you may have seen that clip from the Oscars. We posted it on our oh, Instagram story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on the red carpet and Ashley Graham was interviewing him. And apparently to some people, he came across as kind of a jerk because she, frankly, asked really stupid questions and wasn't a good interviewer. So he maybe came across as a jerk, but I disagree. I think he's just over it. I think he's unimpressed by the Oscars hullabaloo and all that. So anyway, he was on um, a sh- an internet show recently and he was talking about doing music and lyrics with Drew Barrymore yeah. back in 2007, which is a fantastic rom-com. Highly recommend you go watch it. It's loosely based on the drama surrounding uh-huh, Wham uh-huh. and George Michael. Okay. And- just comment on that movie. <laughs> like Anna said, it, it is based off like Wham. So Hugh Grant's character is the Andrew Ridgely character, the other guy from Wham. Right. But he has a song that's supposed to kind of mimic careless whisper it's okay, called it's- meaningless kiss <laughs> i love it i literally have it on a mix cd i made someone because i like it genuinely as a song and it's from music and lyrics it's called meaningless kiss well we're going to talk about the other song the other big song it's the drew and hugh song oh right okay. because hugh was in this interview talking about how drew is a horrendous singer he he's you know mm-hmm. which piggybacking on the oscars fiasco people are now like he's such a jerk you know i can't believe he'd say that but he was he was being funny yeah. he was just saying you know like ah uh, she can't sing they used auto-tune on both of us she just came across a lot better because she has heart and rock and soul and i he compares himself to julie andrews and you know oh. just doesn't have <laughs> doesn't have that for him so um we're gonna play the clip drew barrymore actually responded to this and And, you know, there was kind of beef on the Internet, like, how dare you pick a fight with Drew? And Drew responded. And um, we're going to play that for you right now. All I want to do is find a way back into love. I can make it through without a way back into love. Oh, Oh, Hubert. Hubert. That's. For you. Okay, so I thought this was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. She has a sense of humor about it. Oh, yeah. I she's, think she's like totally not offended. I wouldn't think. I'm surprised anyone thought what Hugh said was offensive. He was just recalling the memories and that she's obviously a bad singer. I don't think anyone expected her to be a good singer. No, but that doesn't make her like a bad person. Not at it's all. Just, it's, it's not just, really not everybody insulting. Can sing. It's just <laughs> a fact. And that was funny. That was cute. That was really cute. So she responded and I fully enjoyed that little throwback to music and lyrics for me. Oh, so I've been seeing this trend on TikTok, rather on Instagram, because I I don't really use TikTok, but I've been seeing it on the Instagram reels and Mm. I find it really interesting. So back in December, Vivian Westwood passed away. Oh, that's right. And Vivian Westwood, she was, if you're not quite sure, she was an English fashion designer who's, you know, been known for really creating a punk British style back in, I guess, like the... 70s and sure era or something 60s 70s era I don't know but she was a huge fashion designer but there's this TikTok audio going around where people describe how to make yourself look like a Vivian Westwood model and then they break down just the outfit pieces that you need to look like a chic Vivian Westwood model and I'm gonna play it's a short audio clip but I just find it so fun I want to try it so this is apparently how you look like a Vivian Westwood model Guys, today I'm going to be showing you how to dress like a Vivian Westwood model. Vivian Westwood, if you're seeing this, hire me. First, put on a blouse. Any blouse. Doesn't matter. 
Then add either a corset or a vest to give off that Victorian feel. For bottoms, I layered skirts, but you can layer anything you want. If you have plaid, try to incorporate that as it is a Vivian Westwood staple. Add either high socks, tights, or leg warmers that don't really match the rest of the outfit. Accessorize your outfit with gloves, hats, and bonus points if you have pearls. Put on a statement shoe. The higher the heel, the closer you are to Vivian in heaven. RIP. And just like that, you look like a Vivian Westwood model. You're ready to hit the runway and you look iconic. <laughs> I so I really like it because yeah. every girl who's doing these videos has a completely different wardrobe and they're working with their own personal wardrobe and their own pieces and yet they follow these instructions and they all look similarly in style yeah. for that that fashion I would, designer. I would compare it slightly to maybe like the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> There's nope. something about it that's a little bit um, British and uptight, you know, yes. tea party-esque, but also punky and irreverent yes yeah yeah so, yeah i saw someone do it i didn't realize it was a trend i thought it was her audio and she was just doing it herself i thought the same thing the first yeah. time i saw it but i i'm tempted to try it i'll have to see i don't think i have plaid i don't know well i guess you'll scour your wardrobe and find <laughs> out and keep us posted and maybe that i'll do yeah maybe post it all right so here's a disappointing thing that i've learned in the past six months is that uh my experience with jamie lee curtis <gasps> Was based on a lie. So, so I know Jamie Lee Curtis pretty much exclusively from the Freaky Friday remake she did with Lindsay Lohan. And in that, of course, like what's not to love? It's a great movie. It's a great remake. Um, it's better than the original. Hot yeah. take. But, and then funny uh, enough, she was on New Girl also. That's right. Yeah. And she was Full on New circle. Girl. She played yeah. the mom character who has just a few recurring episodes yeah kind of the hippie you know loosey-goosey mom yeah um but so I knew her from that and had she always had a fond place in my heart from one of my you know teenage rom-com movies that I mm -hmm. loved anyway in the past six months she's really come out of the woodwork as a freaking weirdo uh so if you recall maybe two or three months ago um she had posted a picture on her social media of something in her office uh, at one of, you know, her home or I don't know where she was. And in the background of this photo of her office, there's a, a picture, a photograph on the wall, a big, large poster print photograph of this naked child in a storage tub. And yep. it's supposed to look like art, but people were totally ignoring whatever her post was supposed to be about and focusing in on this one bizarre thing. And she tried to defend it, you know, like, well, it was a gift to me from someone that right. I worked with and whatever. And it was like, okay, Jamie, like, if that's your idea of artwork, then you're part of the problem. Well, and I think, I think the child was technically in a bathtub, and then people were like, well, somebody was just taking a picture of their daughter in the bath. That's not no, weird. No, it, it, like it, it was a it was storage was, tote. It was like a plastic, like, tub that you would get at Home Depot to store it your It was really disturbing. Junk. It was bizarre. So she took the post down. She issued an apology, whatever. But that was when Jamie Lee Curtis came on my radar as, oh, crap, like, someone I can't like, you mm -hmm. know? Ugh, shoot. So uh, she recently just won an Oscar, her very first Oscar as Best Supporting Actress in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which is just one of those movies, I think, that I, I haven't seen it. But from what I've seen of it, it was just Oscar bait. It was just one of those mm. things that was star loaded, but is something that no one's going to watch again after really? this season. I yeah. have heard so differently. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm curious about that. But mm -hmm. back to the Jamie Lee thing. So she just won this. She won her first Oscar. And in interviews on the Today Show, she announced, well, I'm just going to call them they them. And they are doing great. And they are settling 
calling in, referring to her Oscar, who she's now identifying as non-binary, in response to her trans son, her her now daughter, quote unquote, Ruby, who is a trans non-binary person and Mm. came out in 2020 or 2021. So now... Everything, everything has to be a statement. And she won an Oscar, but it can't just be yay for Jamie Lee for finally having an Oscar. And she's got to make she's got to make it weird. So, yeah. yeah, boo. I'm disappointed that I have to not have such fond memories of her now. That is a shame. Definitely a shame. I don't know why this keeps happening in Hollywood. I know. But speaking of Hollywood, um, I have news about Cameron Diaz. So probably haven't heard her name in a while no Cameron Diaz has retired from acting she retired I think eight eight years ago in 2014 that sounds maybe right or something is when I think she retired she just hasn't been doing things or I don't know what year but point is she unretired just for one movie she is in a movie called back in action it's a Netflix movie with Jamie Foxx yeah. But then, apparently, after this experience on set with this movie, she's decided to retire again. Well, so dang it. She came out of the woodworks for one movie, but there's been so much drama on set. Specifically, Jamie Foxx himself has been a bit of a diva, apparently, and had one day where he, like, blew up and fired people and was just really dramatic. And mm. I think Cameron says, it's not Jamie's fault. Like, I'm not mad at him. There's no bad blood there. But... There's just drama on the set, and that's exactly, like, why I want to kind of get away from Hollywood. And also, I like focusing on being a wife and a mother and stuff. Well, I mean, good for her in that regard. And I'm happy for her that she seems to have settled down into a semi-normal, quiet life after being, you know, such a major part of the early 2000s. Yeah. But I would love to see her in something. I I wonder what this movie's about and if it's something I'm interested in. I don't know. I don't have any particular interest in Jamie Foxx. I don't either. I hope it's a good movie. Me too. So, as we all know, books being made into movies is a major industry. It's really an easy built-in audience for the most part. However, if you are a fan of books in general and they get made into movies, then you probably also know that half the time or more, you're disappointed by the way the characters are portrayed and how they look. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really cool. I came across this interview with Riley Keough, and she stars as Daisy in the Amazon Prime series adaptation of the book Daisy Jones and the Six, which was a really big, huge novel a few years ago, and now it's being turned into an Amazon Prime series. And what I thought was really cool is they were trying to determine how to um, portray Daisy and what she was supposed to look like. So Riley said that what she did was she went on the internet and, you know, on forums, and she found a bunch of fan art Ah. of Daisy Jones. And she looked at all the similarities that they had. And she noticed, for instance, that more often than not, she was portrayed with bangs. Mm -hmm. A lot of time her hair was wavy and not straight. It was usually an auburnish color. She wore a lot of gold hoops. So they incorporated all those things while they were trying to determine what she looked like so that they could incorporate the fans' Um, experience of the book into what the adaptation will become. That's really cool. Really respectful to the audience. I like that. I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, guys, that leads us into a break. So we will see you in just a little bit. Just like you. You're it. You're the ultimate. It's automatic. I'm sure of it. No lie. So don't even try to tell me that you're not. Magazine on air. Talkative. 
magazine on it. I did my best to notice when the call came down the line up to the platform of surrender. Hey guys, welcome back to Talkative. Emily, we are jumping into a Who Sing It Better. Yeah, so, we are. What do you have for us this week? <laughs> so real quick, I will just mention that song that was bringing us in was The Killers. They were just in town last week. Okay, I didn't know that. I know. I just found out last minute because I get emails from, you know, concert venues and stuff. But Where'd they play? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, hmm. <laughs> I don't remember. All right. Okay, cool. I don't really read the emails because I know I'm not going to a concert. <laughs> but yeah, they were in town. I think it was Wednesday night. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Anyway, cool. who sang it better? Anna, you're excited about this one. I know you are. You've been dying for me to, to do this one. <laughs> so we are getting into the song, Some Guys Have All the Luck. Oh, I can't wait. And I imagine most of you out there do know this, at least a version of it. But which version? So we're going to dive into two versions. However, there are loads of versions, and I will give some honorable mentions at the end of this. But the two versions we're looking at are the original by the Persuaders, and that came out in 1973. And then the remake by Rod Stewart, which came out in 1984. Okay, I'm excited. So the Persuaders, though, is the actual original? The Persuaders is the actual original. Okay, I haven't heard it. I only know the Rod Stewart one. I listened so. to just the beginning of it, just to make sure I had the right song, but I haven't <laughs> fully listened to it. I've only listened to the Rod Stewart version, truly. So because I am more familiar with the Rod Stewart one, I'm going to start strong and I'm going to play that one first and then we'll listen to the original after that. So this is Rod Stewart's version of Some Guys Have All the Luck from 1984. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was dancing. <laughs> uh, it takes me back. Oh, to 1984? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. When does it take you back to? It takes you back to high school. But How did you discover this song? I don't actually even know. Um, hmm. Me neither. Unless... Can I take a guess? Yes. Okay. I think I'm guessing that you were doing a mix CD for a friend and you had to do some research to compile I did, this but I don't know why I landed on rods so back in high school I connected with this one girl because we both liked 80s music um turns out I was cooler than her but <laughs> we <laughs> connected for a minute there and I was making her these mix cds what I was actually doing was sending her a song a day and then I would compile those songs and burn them onto cds and so I had to think of the songs ahead of time so that the cd compilation was something cohesive that I liked at the end of it. So I would prep all the songs for like, 
you know, 25 days or something and then send her a song a day and then have the CD for her. You are way more put together than I would have been. I am way, I was way more put together than I am now. Oh, mm, that yep. was my peak, Anna. That well, was my peak. Okay, let's discuss Rod's version. Yes. Um, this is the only one I know. It's very, I guess, synthy. Yeah. It's, yeah, and I enjoy that. And just picturing Rod along with that helps the vibe, I think, knowing what he looks like. And you know, I agree. And it yeah. feels very like quintessential 80s sounds. It does. So it makes me feel it's very upbeat and fun and a little maybe superficial sounding in, in a way. You even, know? Well, it's very, very pop. It's very upbeat, even though the lyrics are kind of a downer. I know. <laughs> Which we'll, yeah. we'll definitely hear more of those lyrics as we continue. But right off the bat, I know I like this one. Yeah. Now let's play The Persuaders, 1973, the original version. Alone in a crowd on a bus after work, I'm Guy next to me has his girl on his arm. My arms are empty. How does it feel when the girl that you love says yes, she loves you? It seems unfair when there's love everywhere and yet there's none. Oh, wait, okay. are, we, are we gonna play the chorus? No, okay, okay, all right, okay. So Rod started with the chorus. That's rough. And then I didn't play his verse for you guys because I, I was know. trying to be even. And little did I know, because I don't know the Persuaders, their version starts with a verse, like a traditional song. Okay, so. well, then maybe before we discuss, let's. Okay, why, don't okay. we, why don't we play the verse, verse from Rod and then we'll play the chorus from the Persuaders? And cool. We'll, Back to Rod. Yeah. Okay, all right, we're jamming. And now the chorus by the Persuaders. Some guys have all the love. Some guys have all the pain. Some guys have no sunshine in their lives. My life is only filled with rain. Okay. Well, I love that. Their lyrics are different. I love that their lyrics are different. I, I feel do like it too. fits. Both I do of them. too. So I, my first impression of the Persuaders is that I actually quite like it. And I think it's a more fitting sound for the mood and lyrics of the song. Yeah. I feel like what it did is gave me context. So, so now that I know what the original sounds like. I feel like I understand what happened with the Rod one, which is, which is, it feels like to me, if I don't know, like your mom liked a song and you were like, but mom, listen to the cover. And then, uh -huh. you, you know, and it's like, well, mom likes the classic one and you like the young poppy one. And it's like, they're the same song, but there's a, a different version for different generations. And, I, and yes, I enjoy it. That is 
totally it. It's like a different version for different generations. And I like um, them both. And I like them both. And I, it's funny because I've looked for other who sang it better ideas in the past and well in the present earlier today. And I find <laughs> that that's really quite common is the original will be more of a specific mood and then the remake will be more upbeat and it's not even all that uncommon for lyrics to change a little bit. I've seen that more than once. Sure. But yeah, but this has got that kind of like the original, sorry, has kind of more that like Motown sort of sound. It does. And I, and I enjoy that. It it makes me think of like our grandparents or something. Yeah. And, and the Rod one makes me think of you in high school, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah. not um, timing accurate, but you know. Well, it's interesting too that it's only 11 year difference. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, well, I said it's like a mother daughter thing, but um, th- that mother daughter pair would be Whoops. obscenely close in yeah. age. So, hmm. But I'm really liking the original actually. It's kind of funny like because it's making me feel like the Rod version is a bit more of like a joke than I already thought it was in a way. <laughs> I agree. Okay, but why don't we compare a little further? Okay, which one should I play? Uh, I guess we'll we just finished Persuaders. So let's go back to Rod. Back to Rod. Okay. Some guys have all the love. Some guys have all the things. Some guys get all the things. Some guys do nothing but Okay. <laughs> and back to the persuaders. Someone who shot, someone who's liable to cry at sand. Well, this I believe, is hard. I believe one of them feels all the pain. I don't believe <laughs> the other. I don't believe the other one feels pain. Um, That's and, fair. And I get the soulful vibe from the persuaders, and I. I it's hard to um, feel bad for Rod, you know, for like not having the girl, not getting the girl, because uh, it just seems like he's a little bit too okay with it. Like, okay, I guess it feels to me like Rod probably didn't get the girl because he's like a goofball right. and wasn't 
he probably never even got her attention in the first place. He <laughs> probably just watched enough. her from across the park or something. I don't know. And then I feel like the persuaders, whoever that lead singer is, he probably actually has had love and lost it. That's and is what I sad. feel. You know, I don't yeah. think Rod has lost love. I don't think he's. I think one of these people is crying about it. I yes. think the other one is, um, <laughs> you know. Like poor me, poor poor me, poor me. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, riffing yeah. as he rapping. Poor me, poor me. So just um, wet. You guys, you guys think Rod complains too much? That because he, he does nothing but complain. Yeah, he does nothing but complain. But that's the lyric he switched. That's true. So that makes sense. He so knows his mo. He, he knows his it. life isn't full of rain. He knows yeah. he just complains about it. Back when I discovered that there was uh, multiple versions of the song and mm-hmm. not just the Rod Stewart version. <laughs> um, and I was looking on YouTube, and then I re- went down to the comments, and <laughs> uh-huh. um, and and people didn't really. I mean, obviously, people like Rod Stewart's version, but the people in the comments were kind of getting on him for complaining. So <laughs> maybe maybe Uh-oh. that's why he doesn't have a girl. girl. Is girl. because he really is. So they both sing the same song, but people are just gonna start getting mad at him <laughs> for complaining. But well. then the. Persuaders. Uh, the persuaders are going to sing, and um, they're. Pro- I, I didn't go to their comments. I'm sure they're much more sensitive. <laughs> I'm sure you know they what? are. They're probably sentimental. And oh, well, oh, oh! The first comment. I love this version of the song. It's way better than any remakes. Okay. Hey, well. this is way better than the Rod Stewart version. I love this. <laughs> okay. Well, here's my thought. Um, I loved the Rod Stewart version. Yeah. I thought there's no way that I'm going to like a different version better because there's 800 versions. But who sang it better? So I'm saying I think it's the Persuaders. I think the original <laughs> wins. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Although yeah. I will say that playing them back to back is jarring because you're all the upbeat and dancing to the Rod one. And then it sounds like somebody like turned the knob on your record player and it like slow mowed the song. This is hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the tempo <clears throat> is is pretty jarring. I will. Yeah. So for me, um, you going to ask Anna? All right. Emily, what do you think? Who Thank sang you. it better? Thank you. Rod Stewart holds a special place in my heart, and that is a huge era of my life. And I will probably listen to Rod Stewart's version more in my life That's than the fair. Persuaders. But, <laughs> but I'm pretty sold, and I'm actually going to say the original. I'm going to say the Persuaders. I like the oh. soulfulness, and I like the mood, and I know it's I, it's a little Rod's bit of a betrayal. About this. I, he's going to complain, he's gonna about, complain it. about it. So the Persuaders wins <clears throat> for us. But before we yeah. wrap up, I just want to throw out some honorable mentions. Some of you perhaps know the Robert Palmer version. That one seemed to be pretty popular. However, he only has a live version, so I didn't want to compare that one. But Robert Palmer has a live version of this song. All right. And then we From have... what year? Uh, 1980... Wait. 1982, it looks like. Mm, that's what I have. Yeah, that's yeah. in my research. 1982, and it's a live version. And then we have a woman who sang, Louise Mandrell, and she from 1985 and she obviously changed it to some girls have all the luck oh and finally anna i know you're seeing my research on the screen so you know what i'm about to say but ethan this might come as a shock to you this final honorable mention for the cover of some guys have all the luck is maxi priest wow 1987 very interesting that is interesting it's very reggae it's very maxi priest it sounds like his other stuff you know well he's not my favorite so i'm sure yeah so i'm sure i'm sure i stick by the persuaders on that one but uh interesting though that they're all in like a 10-year time span here Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of covers of the same song All All right, right, guys, that leads us into a break. Stay tuned for segment three and, of course, our weekly recs.
Talkative. Magazine on air. Talkative. Magazine on air. I got you. I got you on my mind. And it's time to make you see what I want. Hey guys, welcome back to Talkative. So I wanted to get into a look at yesterday. I love this. I just got a quick little tidbit, nothing crazy, but the information's a little crazy. I had no idea, but I guess it was before my time, right? So there we, there you go. You're nodding at me like I'm supposed to know. I don't no, know what you you're talking know. about. You don't know what I'm talking about, Anna. No. So apparently, Mr. Rogers sued Ice Cube. Okay. Did you hear about this? No. No. Okay, cool. So back in 1990... Ice Cube dropped an album called America's Most Wanted. And let me be clear, America is spelled A-M-E-R-I-K-K-K-A. Oh, okay. All right, cool. So love that. So the Mr. Rogers tie-in is going to be interesting here. (laughs) Right. So America's Most Wanted dropped in May 1990, and it was Ice Cube's first studio album following his exit from his hip-hop group, and W-A, and I'm not going to say what that stands for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the song he released, like the single, I guess, is called A Gangsta's Fairy Tale. And I listened to the song today in my research. Don't do it. I don't recommend it. <laughs> You're calling it research. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> research here. Um, it would not be a good use of your time. But I was listening just to see what, to make sure I wasn't missing something. So... The song originally, A Gangster's Fairy Tale, originally used a clip and a sample from the Mr. Rogers theme song in it right at the beginning. And then Mr. Rogers sued and said, you got to get that out of your song. And he won. And so it got removed. But because it was removed, I wasn't able to find a version that had it in it. So I wasted my like three and a half minutes hurting my ears listening to the whole song just in case (laughs) I was missing it somewhere in the middle of the song. But no. So before the song was removed from A Gangster's Fairy Tale, Mr. Rogers was making five cents per download or per play or whatever so he was making money off of it technically but isn't that nice to have someone that was still standing by their morals and absolutely standing by their brand which was a children's show yeah saying you know what this doesn't fit what i'm doing at all so get that out of your song yeah filthy filthy gross song get it out right i mean it's terrible the whole song i mean it's called a gangster's fairy tale so he just spends the whole song singing about classic fairy tales and TV shows. He mentioned Sesame Street. He mentions Mr. Rogers a whole lot during the song, Ugh. actually, and a lot of other classic little fairy tale things, but just at the same time trying to cram in as much profanity as possible when when he can. So it's yeah. hmm. stupid, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. And no, I had not heard that. Yeah, so. I hadn't either. Hmm. So Okay, so we are about to get serious. Let's get serious. So I don't know if you saw in the news this week, but Amanda Bynes has checked herself into a psychiatric facility after being found walking nude in downtown Mm. Los Angeles. Um, She asked someone, some car pulled over and she asked them to use their phones so that she could call and tell, you know, emergency services that she was coming down from a psychotic break. And she checked herself in to a psychiatric hold. So um, this isn't the first time that we've seen Amanda in particular go through one of these episodes. It is, however, not 
any easier to watch this happen to someone that was a part of my childhood. Yeah. Um, and in such a beloved way, because if you are familiar with Amanda Bynes, if you aren't in the 90s, 2000s, um, she started on Nickelodeon as a part of the cast of All That, which was basically like SNL for kids. Um, it was a sketch comedy show that was really goofy and the kids were really talented. And she was one of the youngest cast members. Um, you know, Keenan and Kel started on All That. Mm -hmm. Keenan Thompson then went on to do SNL. So, yeah. you know, tie-ins there. But... Um, she started as a young cast member there and then eventually went on to have her own variety show, um, The Amanda Show, in which she was the star and she played a ton of different characters, a lot of different roles. So she was one of those really big child stars from the 90s, early 2000s. And we've seen this with her. We've seen it with Demi Lovato and Miley Cyrus and Selena Gomez and yada, yada, yada. The yeah. list goes on. Pretty much everybody you can think of that you're like, wow, I looked up to them when I was in middle school or grade school. Most of them have not fared very well as adults. Most of them have had issues coping in life now that they've grown up and they're no longer playing, you know, smiley, happy time all the time. Things are getting real and it, it, realer for them, it seems, than other people our age, which has been weird to see. So I'm just... I think it calls into question what's going on with these child stars. Is it just the fame that's happening? What do you, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I always think about this and my blame goes to the parents. Uh, well, definitely at the end that. Of the day, because no matter what's happening, whether it's just generic fame and stardom and pressures of being in the limelight or whether it's something more insidious going on behind the scenes, like, you know, uh, manipulative producer and some sort of assaults and anything of that and nature. And there's a lot of that. And there was and, a lot of that, especially with Nickelodeon. Yep. And we've been seeing that come out in the past couple of years, full force. Yeah. But no matter what it is, I blame the parents because obviously a parent's job is to care for their child and raise them to be a functioning, happy, regular human. And these people are failing that with their kids due to greed, usually. It's really interesting. So I, I've, I've pondered this before, right? Because child stardom has seemed to always come with a lot of issues. Right. You know, even, even before the 90s, early 2000s, we saw it with Macaulay Culkin and, you know, the whole Michael yeah. Jackson thing. And so it's not a new phenomenon that this is, this is causing issues. There's a lot of people that have had issues with stardom at an early age. And I think the first thought, at least in my mind, was always... Well, that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, you know, having a full time job. A lot of times the monetary responsibility is caring right. for a family. You maybe started as something that you like or maybe you were pressured into it because what five year old knows that they like to act in that kind of way, you know, but, but I think there's a lot of pressure. But but it also seems to me that there has to be more than that. And what I thought was really interesting, um, Candace Owens has a show on Daily Wire. And this week, this past week, she just did an episode specifically about the Amanda Bynes phenomenon and the other child stars in her, you know, same Generation, age bracket. Yeah. yeah. And she came at it from a different angle than I had ever considered it, which was basically that she has a very firm stance on thinking that drama, and, and I mean like, you know, theater, right. not, you know, at a young age and acting is very dangerous because in order to be a talented, good actor, you have to have um, a destabilization of your identity. Yes. You have to be good at dissociating from your actual real life 
and putting yourself into a character. And when you're a kid, that's really unhealthy. That really is something that in order to be a talented actor, you have to be very good at that. And kids are supposed to be safe and comfortable and stable and have no, and, and, and not have a lot of, you know, unknowns in their day to day life. And a kid also is not uh, they don't have an understanding of their own identity yet at that point. They're That's just true. living life day by day, enjoying the present. They're not evaluating who they are. That doesn't happen until you're, you know, in high school and stuff, really. That's so true. They're trying to mold themselves to be all these other things and not giving themselves even a chance to consider Am I not being myself when I come home at the end of the day? They they aren't thinking like that. Well, that's true. And and also the pressure of always being on, right? You have a bad day. You can't <laughs> you can't show that, you know, you yeah. the the job goes on and you have to perform and that's what you're there for. So I thought that was a really interesting take and I thought it was also very interesting because Candace pointed out that Amanda in particular had a very unique um, situation in which she had to do this far more than other people her age because she was on these variety shows and these comedy sketch shows. She was constantly changing character all the time. And I'm not just one character all the time in this show where I get to step into that character and it's familiar. I'm in a variety show where I play my own stalker. I play the foreigner that works at the blockbuster counter. I play the Judge Judy character. And I'm the girl who just hits you over the head with things. Right. And, and hillbilly accent. And she yeah. pulled one clip in particular that I thought was interesting of Amanda on all that back when she was maybe six or seven. She's really oh, wow. young. Okay. And I remember this skit and I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but it was called Dear Ashley. And it was written like an advice column where yeah. people would write in and they would say, you know, I, I have a problem. And they were always really stupid problems. I cut my feet every time I go outside. I just okay, don't know. Okay, it's always know. freaking feet, though. Yeah. That's one of those other weirdo things that Dan well, Schneider was all about. Okay. Well, that's true. Just, yeah, that's true. But OK, so so the person would write in and they'd say, I always cut my feet when I go outside and my feet end up so dirty. Oh. And and. Amanda would sit there and she'd say, well, writer, you know, if you have a problem with dirty feet, it's because you need to freaking wear shoes. And she'd flip into this like really oh, overly angry, overly angry yeah. character. Imagine as a six year old, you have to flip a switch just like that. Yeah. Day in and day out to throw yourself into a character that's so unlike you all the time. And you have to play polar opposites all the time. I can imagine that would that would cause some issues being a stable person later in life if you've never had that safety net of just being content and yourself and comfortable yeah. day to day. And I think that Amanda is probably the most extreme example of that phenomenon, but I'd never considered that. I never really thought of it like that either. Yeah, that's interesting. And again, though, that falls on the parent who's not providing them with that safe environment to to be themselves and to understand who they are and how to identify, you know. I know. Even an average non-theater person struggles with figuring out how to identify. Certainly. And it's just a part of life and it's only exponentially harder in, in how you just described it. So I know. So wishing the best for Amanda. Yeah. I would love at least to she, see her get help. At least she knew she needed help in that moment. That's, That's true. Maybe a step up. And then you see other stars get out of it like Lindsay and such. It seems and like even, she's... even Demi Lovato seems more stable than huh. I've seen her. No, I'm not okay. even kidding. I, okay. I'm not even kidding. She, I saw her on a, on a podcast recently and she looked normal and she spoke normally and she's back to she and not oh, they wow. them. Oh, wow. And okay. Has, has longer hair and has makeup and oh, she looks, okay. she looks great actually, which I was 
taken aback by, but very happy about. Interesting. Yeah. So you never know. I mean, there's hope out there. I just think uh, parents, you know, keep your eyes open and don't put your kid into s- situations where they have undue pressure on them. Yeah. Let them be kids. Let kids be kids. Speaking of Demi Lovato, let's get into our weekly rep. And the reason I said speaking of Demi Lovato is because that audio clip, if you didn't know, was from a TV show that she used to be on on Disney Channel. Throwback. Mm -hmm. All right, Emily, what's your rec this week? Since we are talking about these child stars and kind of specifically the Nickelodeon stars, I'm going to recommend a documentary. Ooh, okay. I watched this a couple weeks ago. It's on Hulu. It's called The Orange Years, The Nickelodeon Story. This has popped up on my suggested list and I haven't watched it yet, so I'm curious. So I recommend it. It came out in 2018. It does not touch on any of the like dark history. It doesn't talk about Dan Schneider like hardly at all. Like I it's wonder not if about anything that. does. <laughs> it, it's really more about the origins, which I've never thought about. But it's about how Nickelodeon came to be, what its beginnings were, the first initial concept of what they were trying to create with Nickelodeon. And I have never known its history. So it was interesting to watch it evolve. And that's what the documentary really gets into. I don't love everything about the documentary, <laughs> to be honest. I, I don't love everything about Nickelodeon. And it, it sticks yeah. in that 90s era even. But it's still worth a watch because I find it interesting to see where, where it all started. Okay. Well, I will definitely give that a, a look. What's it called again? The Orange Years, the Nickelodeon story on Hulu. Awesome. So my rec this week is also a throwback. I know, something different for me. (laughs) Uh, But it's a throwback to something that I was not a part of, which uh, is basically if you grew up, if you were a teenager in the early 2000s, I'm talking like 2004, 5, 6, and you were in high school, which was Mm -hmm. not me, uh, (laughs) then you probably were all over Laguna Beach and eventually The Hills, the spinoff series, the first kind of reality show of its kind. Mm -hmm. And... uh, The fun news is that Laguna Beach and The Hills are now on Netflix when you used to be able to only watch them if you had MTV and, you know, so I I tried to watch them several years ago and it was the most sketch undertaking ever because I couldn't get past the paywall and didn't have cable. So they're on Netflix now. But the fun thing here is that uh, Kristen Cavallari and Stephen Coletti, who are two of the original cast members of Laguna Beach, are back together now and doing a rewatch podcast of Laguna Beach. It's called Back to the Beach Podcast. <laughs> and they're literally going episode by episode and just telling you all the behind the scenes, which unlike a sitcom or any other kind of thing, is fun because this was supposedly, quote unquote, a reality show. So what is real? What happened here? And what's That's fascinating, what's fascinating to me is so much of the storyline is spliced together from pieces of their relationship and things over a six-month period. So there's things where they're supposed to be together and on the outs, and they've actually been broken up for three months, but they had to film this separately and to, to make the storyline work. So it's bizarre, but it's super fascinating. So I recommend it. We are at the end of our time with you. So check us out on facebook.com slash talkative magazine on Instagram at talkative radio and stick around for Ken Kruger's show. Last call with Ken Kruger. You're listening to SR one Sundays on news talk STL. Talkative magazine on air. This 
is SR1.